Children, you can be dismissed to your class, and it's going to be upstairs today, so. Amen. Thankful for the presence of the Lord. I thought I was going to try up here, but I just can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> the pulpit, one, feels too short, and then I feel way too far up and away from all of you, so I tried. <laughs> Forgive me, I did have a tie on, but I've already taken it off. Thank you. <laughs> Elder said I'm forgiven. So. Amen. Are we, I think we're all aware of the scripture and the will of God that is, and that says that he's not willing that any should perish, amen, but that all would come to repentance. And, you know, our, our bishop and elder as well has been speaking about, about this, and, and bishop has been sharing his burden from the Lord recently of, of the way he's has been praying and the way his prayers have been, have been changed. And personally, I... Uh, I want to catch that burden. I want to receive that burden into my spirit and not just hear it with my ears or with my mind, but I want to receive it and apply it uh, spiritually and in, in the way that the Lord would, would have me to because I believe that we are in the end time. We're in the last hour, and it's imperative that we know our place as the body of Christ and as children of God and know that we have an advocate with the Father. And I, I want to talk just for a few minutes this morning about intercession. And I, what I believe the Lord would and is leading us into. And intercession, one of the things that intercession is, is it's just that. It is a advocate, advocating with the one or entreating with the one with a request to the one that we know can do something about it, <laughs> to the one we know can make a difference in what it is that we're praying about. And I have a handful of scriptures here I want to go into, but, but kind of setting the stage, um, as I began to study, and, and when I say I want to catch this burden that, that Bishop's been speaking about, I believe that's done by hearing the word as he ministers it and as our elder ministers it, hearing that word, responding in the altar, responding in prayer, uh, continuing in prayer throughout the week. But another way that the Lord has led me in and catching the, the burden and the spirit of what's being ministered is studying it for myself, digging into it for myself. And I know that our bishop and elder would say the same thing, that they would say, don't take their word for it but find it for yourself in the Word of God. And so I'm going to tell you the same thing this morning. Don't take my word for any of this, but find it yourself. And in doing so, I believe this will become real to you as well. The Bible says in Proverbs 25 and verse 28, it's going to seem like we're starting in left field, but it'll, it'll make sense here in a minute. Proverbs 25 and verse 28 says, 
He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I think about uh, in the writings of Ezra and Nehemiah and how they were commissioned and went back to a broken down Jerusalem and began to rebuild the walls of that city and of, of Jerusalem at the leading of the Lord and at the inspiration of the Lord into King Cyrus, who had them in captivity. It's just an amazing story. They were in captivity, and then the Lord moves upon this man, this king, and, and sends them and gives him the uh, inspiration to do so. And so they were, give, they were commissioned and with the funds, with the, uh, with the freedom to go, and, and the Lord uh, led them in, in rebuilding that wall, rebuilding the wall and then the city and the temple and the altar. And there's so much, so much there, but that's not where I want to, I want to focus. But, you know, a, a broken down wall or broken down walls means that there is, there's breaches and that there's openings and avenues that the enemy and wolves and, and things that should not come in can get in. And that's the very purpose for a wall and for walls is that it would keep things out that aren't supposed to come in. Or if they are supposed to come in, there's a way that they're supposed to come in, and that is through the gate. <laughs> that's through the entrance. And I, I, I also think of the Lord just kind of led me in prayer to John chapter 10, which Elder spoke about just a few weeks ago, of the fact that Jesus is the gate to the sheepfold. He's the door to that sheepfold. And Jesus said that if there's any other who tries to come in some other way, if he tries to climb up some other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. So walls are important. Walls are necessary because I don't want any thieves or robbers coming into my life. I don't want any thieves or robbers coming and taking my stuff. And Elder talked about his, his bike being stolen and how that feels just that just when someone takes your stuff, it's, it doesn't feel good. And so walls are important to, to defend against these things. And as we read in Proverbs, if, if we don't have walls or if we don't have a rule over our own spirit, it's as if we are like a city with broken down walls with breaches, with avenues of entry. And I, I think of James chapter 1 and verse 8 that talks about a, a double-minded man, or it can translate as a two-spirited man. If, if we're not single-minded and single-spirited, we are unstable in all of our ways. Our lives are unstable, and our, our defenses against the things of the enemy are there's breaches, there's openings, there's avenues that the enemy could come into. And so, of course, it goes without saying, one of the first things is having the Spirit of God because we can't have a control over our own spirit by ourselves. One of the fruit of the Spirit or the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Uh, but really, it's not self-control because it's the Spirit that's doing the controlling uh, and so we need the fruit of the Spirit to, to be able to have this control over our spirit, to be able to have these defenses and these walls that, 
that are necessary to keep out uh, intruders, to keep out thieves and robbers. And as I mentioned, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah, they're, they're rebuilding the walls at the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And of course, as, as soon as they start, there's opposition. There's, there's those that come and say, man, these, this sure looks unstable. You're putting these things and it sure looks like it's just going to, you could just blow on it and it's going to fall over. So you're, it's pointless what you're doing. You might as well just stop and quit now because it's just going to fall over as soon as you put any weight against it or as soon as it tries to block anything from getting in. And then it continues on and as they finish the walls, the opposition comes again. And comes and says, you know, what are you doing? And I, I, I'm not going to read it for sake of time, but it was opposition that would come and question and challenge their walls and question and challenge their need for rebuilding and, and putting those walls back in place. And I, I believe it's Nehemiah. It might be Ezra, but I think it's Nehemiah who makes the statement. And he says he responds to them because they start coming and then they start sending him letters like three, four, five times, just these letters of intimidation. And he responds back and says, we're doing a good work. <laughs> I don't care what you have to say because we're doing a good work. So we're going to continue in that work. Amen. So what does all this have to do with intercession? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Amen. Uh, if you'll turn with me to Psalms chapter 106. And I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. That's an account of the children of Israel and kind of a summary of them and, and their time in Egypt and, and just the, the way that they continued to frustrate the grace of God in giving up, giving themselves to idols, to idolatry, to the things of, of the people of the land that they were supposed to be conquering. So Psalms 106 and starting in verse 19, it kind of starts talking a little bit about those things. It says that they made a calf in Horeb. We know the story. Moses had went to the mountain and it wasn't long that the children of Israel came to Aaron and said, hey, you know, our man's gone, so we think we need something, an image that we can see, that we can worship. So here's all of our jewelry and stuff. Let's put it in a pile and make a molten image out of it. And so they made this calf, and they worshiped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They changed their glory. That's a different topic for a different time. But then verse 21 says, They forgot or forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Verse 23, and watch this. Therefore he said, then this is, this is God. He said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he should 
destroy them. And this is where intercession comes in. Because when we, and it's two, there's two sides to it. You know, Bishop's been talking more so on the side of the lost and those who've, who've never known God, maybe. And, and, and they need an intercessor because they don't even know God. They don't, they're blinded. They don't know that they're in darkness and that they're lost. But there's another kind of side to intercession that the Lord's been showing me and dealing with me about. And that is for those that are inside the walls that should be inside of the church, inside of the protection of, of the gospel of the sheepfold, but because of whatever it may be, whether having rule over their spirit or whatnot, there's breaches in the walls and broken down places in the walls where wolves and thieves and robbers could break in and steal. And the wrath of God is being stored up. It's being stored for a day, a time that it will be poured out on the earth. We know this, and that is what we—that's what we're saved from when we receive His salvation. We're saved from that wrath and then the eternity of damnation. But I, I believe that there's there's some things that we don't really think about the consequences to. Right? We know that the wages of sin is death, but we don't really get the return on those wages oftentimes until maybe the end of our lives. And so we can justify and continue doing certain things because we don't see the wrath of God unleashed immediately when we're partaking in those things. And I'm not talking about anyone here today, hopefully. <laughs> but there's people in the in the church and in the world who used to be in the church, we call them backsliders, that have allowed there to become, be breaches in their walls. They've allowed their walls to become broken down. And the Lord is, I believe, seeking in the same way that he's seeking a man, an intercessor, that would raise up and, and stand in the gap, that would stand in that breach of the wall that's been broken down. He's looking for individuals that will stand in the gap as well for those that have gone away. Man, because that breach in the wall, it needs to be repaired. As with Ezra and Nehemiah, it's the will of God that it be repaired. In Ezekiel verse 20, or chapter 22 and verse 30, and Bishop has referenced this multiple times, and it says, and this is, again, it's in the context of Israel and their sin, their backslidden state. Again, the lost is important, but these are those that are lost that did know God, this context. Verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land stand in the gap of of the wall that's broken down stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath 
Their own way, watch this, their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. The thing that they chose, the path that they chose to walk, is what the Lord then recompensed upon their heads. And I won't, I won't read it for sake of time as well, but we've heard this also in the last few weeks of the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man who dies and Lazarus who dies and goes to Abraham's bosom and the rich man who finds himself in hell. And the Bible says that there is a great gulf fixed between them. And, of course, the rich man, you know, he says, he pleads, he's talking with Abraham. It's at the time where, and you can do a study on this, that hell is, hell's a place of, of holding that in, at the end of time, hell, the entirety of hell will be thrown into the lake of fire. And so it's, it's then that the second death happens and then that total separation from the Spirit of God happens. But in this place... There's a great gulf that, that can't be crossed, but there's, you're not completely separated yet from the Spirit of God. And so he's able to be communicating with Abraham and says, send, can you send someone? Can you send even Lazarus who can maybe just put a drop of water upon my tongue? And Abraham responds and essentially says, we can't, we can't cross this great gulf. We can't cross this this ravine, this separation that's here now that you've went over to the other side. And I feel an urgency in my spirit this morning because we know that there's a world that's lost. There's people who are dying. And once they've died, then that breach, that gap can't be filled. That, that hole that's in their walls, that, that place of, of, of entry for the enemy can't be filled and can't be crossed once they die, once they cross over. And so I want to, I want to be available as a man, as women and children of God that would stand up and say, God, I'm only one man, I'm only one person, but I'm willing to stand in the gap and make intercession. One last, I want to read one last passage quickly here. Isaiah chapter 53, starting with verse 1, and I'm going I'm to just I'm gonna read this quickly. It says, Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We went out of the sheepfold. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Of course, we know this is all prophetic of Jesus Christ being crucified as the spotless lamb to take away our sins. Jump down with me to verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall, be, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We know, of course, from Romans 8 and also I think it's Hebrews chapter 7 that he continues to make intercession for us. He continually makes intercession for the saints. When we don't know what we ought to pray for, when we don't know what's what the gap is in the wall, when we don't realize where's our vulnerability and what it is that's missing that's allowing the enemy to come in continually, his spirit makes intercession for us. That that wall, that shield of defense could be raised up, could protect us, and that we can be used in intercession for those that are on the outside. John chapter 10, when it talks about the sheepfold and them knowing his voice, Jesus says, there's, there's many that will yet be part of my fold. There's many that have not yet come, but they will. They will come. They will hear his voice, and they will know his voice. Amen. As we lift up our voice, and as we call upon his name to draw them, but there's only one way. There's only one door to enter. Amen. Can we just, for one moment, can we pray? Ask the Lord to put this in our spirit this morning. Father, in your name we pray. Jesus, we receive your word today in our spirits, God. I want to hear the word, Jesus, with my mind and my intellect only. I want to hear and receive the word with my spirit today, Jesus. I want to catch your burden, Father, for those that are lost, those that have broken down walls and have breaches in the wall that are defenseless. I pray that we would stand in the gap today, Jesus. We stand in the gap of defense and make an entreaty before you, O oh God, that your wrath would not be poured out upon them, that they would be saved and pulled out of eternal damnation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Just continue praying there a little more. Lord Jesus, God, I want to be, Lord, I want to be an intercessor. I want to be someone that reaches out, God, from myself, Lord, and connects with someone and leads the way, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I feel the Spirit of the Lord is talking to us. I just want to read one more passage and then we're going to pray here. Matthew 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. Everybody say, that's me. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It, meaning the earth. It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. If you've got salt that's not salty, you don't got salt. You have something that's worthless verse 14 ye are the light of the world everybody say that's me the light of the world the city that is set on a hill cannot be hid next verse neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house this is what I feel in my spirit today, that I am among, the word that I would use is torches, I'm among torches that are lit, that are burning, that are light, and if I could say it this way, here in this room, in the spirit is really, really bright, because we got a collective uh, campfire going here with all of our torches your light, my light, what we bring here together. But what the Lord is saying and the point that he's trying to get across is you take that one torch, leave from here, and go out into darkness, and everywhere you go, that darkness should be lit. Not you go from here in a really bright setting, and then you go out and you... cover it up because I well I'm not among other torches here I, I uh, I'm just the only one I'm the only light here you know how easy it would be to share though if you're a, if you're a torch and you are lit and you are the light then you find something else light it and then what do you got you got two torches I just tell, I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit here today. I'm among torches, and if we would make it our goal, if we would make it a part of our calling, wherever we go, 
to light those around us. <laughs> Phil, the Lord put it this way. Not everything wants to be lit, but everything's flammable. <laughs> you hold a torch under anything long enough and it will combust or melt one or the other. But as a torch, as a light, as the light of the earth, what you and I ought to be doing is lighting what's around us, lighting those that are around us, connecting with those that are around us, some things take a little longer to catch on fire than others, but that doesn't mean I just, oh, well, that's not going to work. No, you and I are in the places that God has put us with His full intention of sharing the light that's in you and in me with those around us. I don't think it was a coincidence earlier that the Lord had me, had us pray for individuals that, that we know and that we come in contact with on a regular basis. I wonder, I wonder how many are in that place of that rich man saying, share with me. Would you please share with me? Would you please send? Would you please send a word that I need? Now, he had his whole life to do that, but he didn't. You want to know why? Because while he was living, in his mind, he was above Lazarus, the poor man, the beggar. I have everything I need. You don't have anything that I need. There's nothing you could give me that would help me. And that is a, uh, that's an idea that's in the world, that's in the mind of an unbeliever. There's nothing you could give me that would help me. And he even said it. We, we talked about this last couple of weeks ago. Send somebody to my brothers because they'll believe. They, they're lost just like I am. They think they have everything they need just like I did. But now on this side of things, I realize, I learn, I can see Lazarus has what they all need. This is why I don't just, oh, you don't want to be lit. Oh, you don't want to be lit. You don't want to be lit and just keep passing through. And, because I know. I know what they need. Let me put it this way. I know who they need. I, I know that they need him and I know him. I share. 
I should, I should share him. I'd like us to stand. I feel the presence of the Lord here in a very strong way. And I believe that with the Lord's help, we will, he'd like us to pray some more for these individuals. I'm going to open the altar again. If you're like me, that one person I was praying for earlier has not left my spirit yet. But I'm opening this up for whomever you feel led to pray for. But specifically, if you'll let the Lord put some people on your spirit and, and then pray for them. Like Brother Hart read it, this is the work of God. On the cross, as he was dying, he was interceding for the transgressor. I heard one man say it this way, you are never more like Christ than when you are praying for other people. That's the most Christian thing you can do. Not hold the door open and smile for them. Not shake their hand and say, how you doing? The most Christian thing that you can do is pray for someone that needs the work of God in their life. Let's pray. Lord, come on, this altar's open. I'm asking you to find a place to pray. Lord, in your name, Jesus, we are seeking after the work of the Spirit right now, God. Let it be done in my life, O oh God. Let it work through me, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray it right now in your name. In the name. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I know that you see each one, each one that's represented by this group here, oh God. Everyone, every friend, every co-worker, every family member, Lord Jesus. God, those that we are close to and those that we just vaguely know. God, I know that you see each one and it is your will that they would all come to repentance. It is your will that they would all come to repentance, Lord Jesus. God, we lift them up to you right now in prayer. God, we lift them up to you right now in prayer. I want your spirit to work through me, O oh God. I want your word to speak through me. I want your light to shine through me, Lord Jesus. God, that we would not light a candle, Lord, and put it under a cover, Lord Jesus, but that we would let it shine. That we would let it shine into the darkness, O God. Father, it is You that You're wanting to illuminate the world with. It is Your Spirit, O God, that You're wanting to share with this world. Lord, those of us that You've placed Your Spirit inside, God, let us not hoard it to ourselves. God, let us share it. Let us share it, O oh God. Let us so shine into the darkness. Let us so shine into the darkness, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, God, we want to see your will done. We want to see your will done in the name of Jesus. Help us to look beyond ourselves, O oh God. Help us to look beyond our day and our time and our routines, Lord. 
Help us to look into the life, oh God, of the person you're trying to reach through us. God, help us to share the light of God, the light of truth, oh Lord. The joy that I have, oh God. The hope that I have, Lord Jesus. The peace that I have, oh God. I know, oh God, that it all comes from you. I know that I wouldn't have it without you, Lord Jesus. Let me share it with someone else, oh God. That person that's in need, Lord. That person that's trying to live through darkness. That person that's trying to find a way, oh God, in a lost world, in a dying world. God, let me share the light of truth. Let me share the light of truth, I pray, oh God. Come on, I believe the Lord's going to give some of us some direction going out from this place today and tomorrow and this week ahead. I believe the Lord's speaking some direction into our lives. A person He wants to connect you with. Someone He wants you to share the Word of God with. Even if it's just an invitation, whatever it is He wants you to share, I believe the Lord is giving direction to us today. I believe he's giving us direction in the name of Jesus. Come on, this is your purpose right here. What you feel in this room is your calling. This is your purpose. This is what you have to offer to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, use my voice, O oh God. Use my time, O oh God. My resources, my day, O oh Lord. Wherever you lead me, Lord Jesus. Whoever you want me to reach, oh God, use me, I pray, oh Lord, to reach. Use me, I pray, to shine, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's your spirit that makes the difference. It's your spirit that makes the difference, oh God. I'm not looking for any credit, Lord Jesus. I'm not looking for anything, oh God. I just want to be used by you. I just want to be used by you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let us shine into the darkness, Lord. Let us shine into the darkness, Lord. God, I know that the world cannot extinguish the light of your spirit. Lord, I pray for those right now that have been intimidated to share. I pray for those, God, that have been intimidated to speak, Lord. God, I pray that there would be boldness. Boldness just as it was with the early church, Lord. Boldness just as it was in your day when you were here on this earth, Lord. I pray, oh God, give your people boldness to speak, Lord. Lord, in your name. And when we open our mouths to speak, Lord, I pray it would be the word of your spirit, Jesus. That it would be the direction of your spirit. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. fellowship on uh, the first Tuesday in September the 6th. So the uh, the challenge that I have for you, with you knowing now well in advance, um, invite someone either to our, one of our church services or to that. I know that sometimes it's easier, especially if you're working with somebody that they might, you might just know they don't want to go to church. They have no interest in church. They don't want to be around church people. They don't want to be in a church building. There's some people like that, and they're, they've got their reasons. Well, that's not a church building. They, they, would, they would have no problem going there any other day, I promise you, to the park, that is. So feel free now with this in advance. Plant the seed. If you were there last time, you can tell them how it went. Tell them we had some good food, good weather. Amen. So plant that seed and, and, and give the invitation to them. We, we're not trying to make anything happen or force anything, but I feel it. And this is the call of the Lord today. And, and, and if you think, well, that's too far away, invite them to, for Tuesday night or next Sunday. But it, share, share it. That's the challenge I feel today. Invite someone. Amen. Thank you, Brother Hart, for ministering to us. God bless you all. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. You can greet one another. Amen.